But there is a huge misunderstanding, I believe, with the issue of callings, plural. People have this idea that they missed it, or I was called to do X and that didn't happen, or I messed something up, or I wasn't being obedient in that season and now I'm damaged goods, or now I have no place in God's kingdom, or now I have worse, I have no calling. I have nothing to live for in this life. <clears throat> there are many people who feel this way. There are many people who go, what is God asking me to do? What specific thing? Like, I have to have a, a Christian-type job. I have to have some, like, if I'm not serving in a church, or if I'm not, if I don't have some active ministry, or if I don't have whatever, then I missed it. Not true. I'm not saying that, th that God hasn't called you to something that you didn't do. I'm saying the idea of this text is the idea of living as you are called of God. And so there is a misunderstanding, but there's also a lot of religious talk in this world. Spiritual gifts tests. I'm not against them, but they are incomplete. And if you don't fall in the 17 things that this denominational document says, then you are, well, you're just background noise for the church. So just make us coffee or something. Not true. Every single person that is called of God and answers that gift of salvation has not only a calling, but there is a unique ministry for you that you are called to, and it is your gift set. And whether or not you know exactly what that is, your call is to live a spirit-filled life while you're living life. And people will notice it when it's authentic. They really will. So often I feel this idea, though, of a calling is a distraction. I feel like there's a lot of people who feel like, well, Dan, you're doing something, you know, you're in the church and you're, you get to teach every week and you, I, I've heard this from so many people. And it's like, the only reason I believe that God called me to this type of thing is because the leash for me needs to be about a foot long, tops. That's the only reason I stand here. It has nothing to do with qualification. It has nothing to do with maturity. It has nothing to do with like, well, I've achieved this. It has nothing to do with that. It's because I'm a knucklehead and I can't get very far from God without a little, like, sort of a little bit of a whip, if you will. It's just the way it is with me. I'm a distracted person. Many of you know this. But I've heard people say, well, I lost my calling. I've heard this term. Um, there was a shock jock that I used to listen to in Chicago when I was, I was a radio guy. I was on the radio for a little while, and I wanted to be on the radio since I was a little kid. And that worked out because talking comes very easily to me. And I was listening to this guy, and this, he had this priest on. And there was a guy on the morning show, one of these little laugh track crew shock jock morning shows. There was a guy who he said he feels like he's getting too evil, the guy on his show, one of the people that were on his payroll. And so he brings in this priest and he goes, I need you to cleanse this guy. And it was just a stunt. The whole thing was a stunt. But I'm listening to this. And he goes, now, let's talk about you. And he said his name. And he goes, you say that you once went to seminary. You say that you once were in seminary. And he goes, yeah, but I lost my calling. He goes, no. Nobody loses their calling. The calling is in stone. Like, I have called you to be in the faith. And where that takes you, that's God. Where God goes with you, that's God. But to say, that's like saying, I, I, God called me to be a Christian, and then he, he called me out of it. Doesn't happen. 
you might walk away from the faith. You might stray and you might drift. But God's call to bring you into his family is a standing call. It is. So I've heard people say this. I believe that God is so much bigger than a job, than an occupation. You could be the greatest bus driver in this town, and there could be just hundreds of people who are like, I, that crazy bus driver is like an evangelist. Every time I'm on that bus, there's somebody he's praying with. That guy's more successful than most. Seriously, guys, he is. That type of a call where you just take people wherever they're at, and you're like, hey, man, there's a light. There's, there's an abundant life for you. There, you need Jesus. That's not only bold, that's incredible. And that guy, or that girl, whoever they are, they probably have a real strong, not only relationship with the Lord, but they probably have a real strong satisfaction at the end of the day. Is it because they drive the bus down the street? No. That's what they do to pay the rent. But the ministry can be greater than, it, it, could, it could blow your mind how many people they impact because of how many people they see in a given day. So once again, there's a term, this idea of calling. There's a term that I heard years back uh, from Mike Wells. You guys know we, we, me and Shannon have been really blessed by Abiding Life Ministries. Um, and he talks about this idea of the great Christian someday. Someday when I really grow up in the Lord. Someday I'm going to have this huge ministry. I'm going to have this huge, I'm going to go on tour and I'm going to, uh, people are going to be led to Christ because of me or I'm going to have this music ministry and I'm going to go on tour and I'm going to be famous and people are going to know who I am. This idea of the great Christian someday. Maybe it's not that big of a, a thing in your mind, but it's someday when X, Y, Z all happen to you, then you'll be ready to have a ministry. Then God will give you a ministry. False. One day when I can retire, I'll become a full-time missionary. Well, the, the text would lead us to believe that you should be a missionary right now on the bus. Wherever you are, as a teacher. Man, we need more missionary teachers in the public school system than ever before. But I want to read this idea in verse 17, this idea of God distributing. He's the distributor. But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk, and so I ordain in all the churches. This letter was written to a messed up church, but it was written to all Christians. It was written for all Christians to hear. Because 1 Corinthians can teach anybody a lot about where they need to be and how they need to be as Christians. But God is the great distributor. There's so much in this verse, but I love the idea of distribution. God distributes to each one, not to a church, not to a group, not to, well, if you have like a synagogue, if you have 10 Christians, you have to put a church together. No, he distributes to each one as he has called each one. We live in this world where it's just like, it's all gray and blurry and messed up and the collective and the huge numbers and all of the stuff that's out there, just distraction after distraction. God called you. Whoever you are and you can hear this and you can embrace this truth, if you can hear it and digest it spiritually, he has called you, period. God wants everybody to come to the truth, but he also wants to give them a choice. So when you were called, when you were, not if, in the past, when you were called to follow Christ, it does not matter, uh, verse 18, was anyone called while circumcised? 
let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commands, commandments of God is what matters. Now, there's a lot in here, and I just want to say, largely these people were not Jewish, but there were some. And there were definitely some that knew how big of a deal circumcision was in Abraham's covenant and forward. And so it's a huge deal to, if you were to tell a Jewish person today, a practicing Jewish person, that circumcision means nothing. You may as well slap them in the face if they don't know Christ. They're, they're literally going to just not, they're going to write you off. Maybe they'll curse at you. Who knows? I've had that happen to me in, Jer in Jerusalem. Um, they don't like to hear it. They don't like to hear that the law is not in effect. They don't like to hear that we're not under it anymore. And so in this idea of a call, when you came to Christ, were you practicing Judaism? Were you practicing Islam? Were you practicing whatever? Whatever it was, Buddhism, a Sikh, a Hindu, whatever. Where were you when God called you and you said yes to his call? Nothing matters religiously speaking anymore. That the idea of somebody going, well, you have to do this, this, and this in order to be accepted by Christ. Not true. You have to read the entire letter. You have to read Romans. You have to read, and he wrote Romans from when he was at this church in Corinth. But there's so many people that think that they have to do this, this, and this to be qualified. The world, and I say this kind of like, on one level it breaks my heart to have to say it. But on Facebook, on social media, on the world wide web where a lot of people go for their info, where a lot of people go for whatever, their goods, there's a lot of churches pushing these boot camps, these Bible certificate things, you do a, a you go through a Bible cert for a year and now you're qualified to go teach someplace. You need to go to seminary, you need to go to Bible college, you need to do all these things, or you can't be a pastor, or you can't be a teacher, or you can't be whatever, whatever it is. There's none of that in the in the scriptures. None of that. This idea of uh, you need to uh, subscribe to our program and then you can grow your church in great numbers and you need fun castles and you need all this stuff for the children and the children bring the numbers and the children bring the parents. Maybe that's true, but it doesn't mean that it bring, brings any depth to your church. That's, that's another huge issue, is if it's entertainment-based, you have to continue to entertain to keep them. And can we inside the church entertain better than the world? They're the best entertainers in the, out, out there. The world has better entertainment than the church because the church was never called to entertain. Unfortunately, some people think that it should be an entertainment vessel. Unfortunately. So we have to reframe our mind. We have to reshape our mind. When you were called, it doesn't matter if you were uh, in the circumcision, Jewish. If you were not, if you were Greek, it does not matter. What matters is focusing on being controlled by God's Holy Spirit. That's what matters. The commands of God under the Old Covenant are part of the law. When you are in Christ, you are not subject to the law. We are His subjects. We are His servants. Those that are in Christ are those that have accepted Christ. But it's difficult sometimes for people to separate themselves from the Ten Commandments and from the things that God said in the Old Testament. And some of these things that you read in the prophets and you're like, wow, that's powerful. And I have that in my house. I have this, you know, these things written, scriptures. And, and some of those things are, they were part, written part under the law. 
I mean, obviously all the prophets were written in the law time. But some of these things are not things that you have to do still. I mean, there is a lot of ritualistic stuff. The Lord asked us to be baptized. He asked us to publicly declare in front of at least another person that you have come to salvation through Christ. You admit that. You, you, talk, you, you say that before you get dunked in the water. Yeah, I accepted Christ. When? Uh, last week or last month or when I was young. And I want to make a public declaration that that has happened to me. It's also a picture for you. It helps you understand. But all of these things... Ten Commandments are muscle memory, guys. They are. I mean, it's not like, well, we're not under the law, so we can now murder. Obviously, you've missed it. You have to read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, lest you think. Jesus puts a much higher bar for those that would be like, well, now we're not under the law. Now what? Well, a, a real child of God looks like this. Well, how do I do that? Well, you do it by walking in the Spirit constantly. And you're still going to mess up, First John. You're still going to have sin in your life because you do have muscle memory. You do have the members of physicality because you're physical still, because you're still here. You're still breathing. However, Spirit of God will direct you and will bring you into when you say yes and when you pray and when you ask God, God, guide me, show me. Like, I want to talk to some people. I want to, there's people to talk to wherever you go. There's people. But verse 20 he says, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. So there's a, a remaining. So what's the remaining? Well, I don't like where I'm at right now. Okay, well, you need to make that right with the Lord. But you don't have to change occupations and courses and whatnot. God may ask you to slip into, hey, I want you to go into this route. I want you to go to school for this. He may direct you a certain place, but it has nothing to do with your salvation. It's Jesus plus nothing. Jesus is the only one that buys us back. That's it, period. All the other stuff, if it's religious, is background noise. It's to trip you up. The world around you will tell you you need to do all these things. It, it, there is so much out there. There is so much information out there. People get lost in it. People get lost and, well, I just read this and I just saw this teaching and now people are saying this and now the church is moving this direction. The church ain't moving a different direction. People might be moving a different direction. The church of Christ has never deviated from its path. You may need to get back on that narrow path if you're struggling. I'm not talking about anybody here. I'm just saying people who say we need to like change our theology and change where we, well, now we have to accept all these things. We have to accept the scriptures, not all these things. Amen. We, have to, we have to accept what Jesus actually told us, not what some guru on YouTube said. Although there's a lot of gurus, sometimes they say stuff that makes sense. Um, I have a quote from one of those gurus a little bit later on. But so many people are in a performance-based culture. You have to perform for your job. Where are your numbers? What are you doing for me? The boss says this and this and this. And so we feel like if I got to do, 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 then I also must have to do that for the Lord. We have to get busy. We just got to be busier. Did Jesus ever seem like a nervous wreck to you when you read the Gospels? Never one time. Never out of control. Never like, we were supposed to be on that boat 25 minutes ago, Peter. I'm going to lose it if we don't get to Capernaum. I am hungry right now. Never, 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 never. I don't know where this comes from. I get like that when the Papa John's isn't on time. But I have also stopped eating it. So thank the Lord Jesus for that. 
But so many people live in the culture. There are a few that are not. There are a few, you meet them and you're like, wow, that person just doesn't, they don't march to this world at all. And you're like, they know who they're listening to. They're guided. There's a control. One of the fruits of the Spirit, the yield that comes when you listen to God, is you are a little more self-controlled than you used to be. You're never going to be perfect, but you're better than you used to be. I love uh, Ephesians chapter 4. It kind of, to me, it kind of puts the period on the end of the sentence here. Um, I'm reading this out of the New Living. I love the New Living in this passage. Paul says, There is only one Lord. There is one faith, one baptism, and there is only one God and Father who is over us all and in us all and living through us all. However, He has given each one of us a special gift according to the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. That means that the Christ first came down to the lowly world in which we live. The same one who came down is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that his rule might fill the entire universe. He is the one who gave these gifts to the church. Okay? So when you say the church, we have a lot of slang in our culture. The slang in America blows me away. Each day I learn a new word, unfortunately. And I wish I could forget some of these words. Some of the words that we said in the 80s and 90s don't mean those same things anymore. But when you think about the slang, the church, when you think about when, when people, like my, my daughter texts me, she goes, hey, where are you? I go, I'm at church. It's a piece of real estate. It's a block brick-and-mortar building that after the next microburst may not be standing. We don't even know. But the church is the body. The church is the assembly. The church is the people all over this globe. Millions that Jesus individually called in every country, 200-plus countries-ish, depending on a failed state or two. He has called people everywhere. China to South America to us. And he has brought us together. Now where you fellowship, that's up to you. That's where, where God guides you and where you can grow. And where you're not deterred from growth. That's where you should be going to church. Where you're growing. But he's the one that gave the gifts. And so if you're like, well I don't know what gift I have and now I'm 50 and I feel like I haven't done anything at all. It's like, great. Go talk to Jesus about that. Don't talk to somebody who's going to put a trip on you. Don't talk to somebody who's going to be like, you need to be busier for the Lord. You're, you're not really pulling your way around here. Please don't listen to that. Go to the source. Go to the one who says, I'm going to produce life in you. And you watch how fast, with your communion, you watch how fast God starts to open up ministry to you. And then you watch, journal, if you can, if you can remember to do that, journal where you are and your progress. And look back and go... A few months back, I was talking to this person. This God just like, I'm at this place. I'm supposed to be there. And then the person didn't show up, but this other person showed up. And we had this great conversation. And all of a sudden, we're talking and texting. And, and now we're talking about Jesus. Yeah, that was God. Trust me. That wasn't you. And then what? Pray about it. Continue to use what God has put in your way, in your, on your path in this life. Your path is never going to be the same as anybody else's. And you're not responsible for the, the ten talent people and what they're doing, supposedly, for the Lord. The one talent, I'd rather, I'd rather just do really well with one or two, honestly, than have ten or fifteen and have this enormous, when I have to talk to God about what I did and didn't do, to be like, well, yeah, you, you were given all this and you did next to nothing with it. You did a lot of stuff to make yourself 
really, really, really comfortable or really, really whatever, whatever that is. But you needed to use those better. And God is gracious and compassionate. And he will be, for those that are in Christ, he will not be judgmental. But he will be a person who asks us to give an account to what we did. So verse 21, were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. This is kind of a huge verse. I, I don't feel like it gets the, the press inside the teaching establishment that it, that it probably should have. But God operates all over the world. God operates, the Spirit of God is, is just out there and, and works hardcore in the lives and the hearts of people who will say yes and will listen and will be there. The opposite is also true. Satan, for all of the things he gets accused of, none of them are laziness. They will never be of the enemy and his minions and his surrogates, if you will. Nobody will be like, yeah, he doesn't really work very hard in this world to get people into trouble. It, all it is is trouble out there. It just seems like it's more trouble every hour that we live. He is using his giftings. He is using his operatives to take what he can take and to take it down to the gates of hell as fast as possible. When you consider what young children are being taught in schools, plural, all over this country right now, versus, I mean, I, I, I'm 46, so I understand I'm younger than some and older than some in here, but I remember in public school, none of this in the 80s, none of this. None of this junk, none of this, we didn't have people questioning what we were and, you know, well, you might really be a girl, Dan. You don't even know. Wow, that would have messed me up big time if somebody had told me that, that I respected, a teacher. I would have, that would have been like, it's like when somebody drops some little weird, horrible thing and you're like, huh, thanks, I think. And then you think about it the whole day. You just eat your lunch. Wow. I'm serious. I, I thank God that I didn't go to a public school in Chicago land, which is known for having a lot of bad schools, a lot of bad schools, uh, failed school systems. I'm so glad that teachers didn't. All they really worried about is, Dan, could you stop talking, please? Write my name with a check, the second check, out you go. That happened a lot. It would happen today just as much if I was in sixth grade right now. Um, I visited the dean in seventh grade a lot, uh, a whole lot, but we never talked about, well, have you ever considered that you might be a girl? No, I, I thought I was in here for talking. Why are you messing with me? When you consider what is going down, and I'm not making light of that specific thing. What I'm saying is how messed up it is to take young children and to try to twist what they grow up knowing naturally, to try and twist it. This is an all-out assault because it has a yield when somebody's a little bit older that is so disastrous and so it just, it, it's destruction. Satan works overtime. He messes with people to no end. And he has enslaved many people to so much bondage. There's so much bondage. There's so many things. His intent is to keep people enslaved until they can take their own life because they can't take it anymore. 
and, and all the other options of thinking there might be God or there might be heaven. So this guru I was telling you about, um, I've seen this guy a couple times on YouTube shorts. And he wears a little turban, and he has a little beard. I think he's from India. Um, and he's, he, he makes a lot of sense. I don't believe, I, I think he's likely Hindu, um, but he doesn't say it. But he says, it's so insane. He says, people don't have a sense that there's a heaven anymore. And he's talking to Joe Rogan. And I was like, huh, that's an interesting topic for them. I mean, Joe Rogan will talk about anything. It doesn't matter what it is. He'll talk about anything. Not going to be afraid to not talk about this or this or this. And he goes, well, what do you mean by that? He goes, he goes, when I was younger, if you went to little kids and you said, how many of you want to go to heaven? Almost every hand goes up. He goes, you go into a university campus right now with 20-year-olds and you say, how many of you want to go to heaven? They laugh at you. They might curse at you. This is not a guy who's pushing Christianity at all. I was like, that is true. Wow. If you can get rid of the idea that there is a place like that and you can delete it from someone's psyche by keeping them distracted or keeping them into um, like, like over here thinking about this and this and this, maybe they'll never think about it again. But it's rarely true that you can see contentment in, the, in, in people, he said, he also said, he goes, everybody's on a chemical. And he wouldn't say pills. He wouldn't say scripts. But he goes, everybody's on a chemical. And he goes, why do you think that is? He goes, well, in the 80s, in the 90s, there might have been drugs and stuff, but not every little kid at, in sixth grade needs to be on uh, chemicals. He goes, not every college kid needs to be on chemicals, but now they're being, they're being pushed so much that they're, they can't think the way they used to think. They're not, they're not even, it's not even possible. He said, but part of the reason why they take by choice chemicals is to try and create what little heaven might be in their mind available right here and right now. I mean, like this guy saying this, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This, this does not seem like something he should be saying if he's not pushing some religion. He's pushing nothing. He was just saying that, that, he goes, that's what I see. I travel and speak. That's what I see. It's rare to see contentment. Verse 24, brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. The greatest lie that a lot of Christians believe is that God, you and Jesus isn't enough. That your relationship with God isn't enough. You need to either manufacture more, you need to be doing more, you need to create something more rather than just remain in Christ. Remain in Him to live as you are called. Maybe that's a small lot. You know, subdivisions. Uh, we, we have these houses all over the place, right? I call them Cracker Jack 7-Eleven uh, cooler houses because it looks like what used to be the 80s cooler styrofoam. Slap some stucco on it. There you go. There's your house. And your house is, you can touch your neighbor's house. That's a subdivision. We have tiny little lots all over the place, right? We take a huge piece of land. We give everybody 4,000 square feet, 5,000 square feet. It's insane how small these, these lots are getting. And then and you have to pay a premium if you don't want to be staring in the back of your neighbor's house right across the street. Or you don't want a two-story house like in your backyard. You have to pay extra. But this idea of a lot in life, like your lot might be 5,000 square feet. It might be like tiny. It might be like, hey, this is what God has given you. Your, your job is to, just to remain. To be satisfied with that. To be content in that. Contentment, godliness with contentment, it's a great game. It's a big deal. But 
your lot in life, unfortunately, a lot of times we can see over the block wall and we can see our neighbor's house. And my neighbor's got a pool and my neighbor's got a Benz and my neighbor's got solar from Tesla on his roof and my neighbor's got, I well, bought another car, just bought another car. To be content. Do not covet. Why? Because covetousness, you can get lost in it for the rest of your life. To, to want what somebody else has. To not be satisfied in who you are. The person that has one talent that uses it properly will be honored in heaven. Jesus will honor that person and will give that person a crown. Sometimes I feel like it's, it's a better deal than to be like, hey, I've given you 10 talents and you better, you better manage them well. It's a lot. Sometimes I'm like, ooh, man, I don't know that I would ever want that. The cost was great. Wrapping this up. The cost was immense. It's actually unfathomable. I know people talk about like, well, I understand the full weight of the cross. I understand what Jesus went through. Do you really understand all elements? I don't think anybody that hasn't gone through it can truly understand all elements of it. But it's unfathomable, the cost Guys, you know how many bad things happen every night in this town. This is a little town. This is market 53 or 55 in America. Okay, There's 50-something markets bigger than us. We have a lot of problems here every single night. A lot of police calls. Imagine the world of sin in one day. Jesus paid the price for all of it with an innocent person being crucified and spilling his blood so that all could be covered that would like to come to him. And he would like to, for all to come to him. But the cost was great. We can try to size it up. We'll never be able to size it up. And because it was so great, there must be big consequences attached to it. There are two ultimate destinies for any human spirit. For any human soul. There is heaven. There is where Jesus lives for forever. And there is hell where Satan will be for forever. Jesus died to ransom people who were already on their way. All people were already on their way. All people. There's no perfect people. Only God is holy. The cost was great. Therefore, in this, um, I'm basically taking verse 23. You were bought at a price. Do not be slaves of men. These are the two kind of closing points. Do not become a slave of anything. Do not become subject to, in bondage to, addicted to anything other than your Lord and Savior. Paul writes this because so many people are slaves to this world and because there's another option. In our world, we go, oh, yeah, well, if, we, if we quote the Swami or whatever this guy was, there's chemicals. Yeah, I'm addicted to chemicals. I, I, I can't live my life without this drug or this drug or this drug. I wake up in the morning. There was a guy this morning uh, sleeping on the property that was clearly on something um, from the night before. There's so much of this. There is so much addiction in this life. And it's not because they just woke up one day when they were five and they're like, I want to be, I want to be addicted to, to substance. There's pain. Self-medication. It's brutal. And my heart goes out to people that find themselves there. Paul says, don't become enslaved to anything on this. When you think about mankind or the slaves of men, peer pressure, people's expectations, brutal. That one's brutal. That one affects, I feel like, most of us on some level. But 
He says don't do this partially because he knows how easy it is to be enslaved to things in this world. It was no different in the Corinthian church. Most of these people were addicted to sex. If you read the, the letter, you can know that. Um, because there is obviously some kind of drug-esque thing that goes on in our brains with the act of sex. That's why it's a billion plus, billion, 10 billion plus every single year in, in the porn world. That, that, that business, sex trafficking, it's never been a bigger problem, likely because we have the ability to move people around the earth so quick and we can just get people in and out and, and 400 years back, 500 years back, you didn't have that ability. But now we've just got these, these groups of evil working to enslave and to exploit little kids. Satan, the prince that runs this world, wants every person to be enslaved to at least him, but if not him, something other than Jesus. He has distracted many people. Distractions are at an all-time high. Um, like I said, this guy said, the concept of heaven is mostly gone. What is, what's a great tactic if you want people to fail in life is to tell them there's nothing but this life. There's no heaven. There's no ability to go live with God, whoever that is, whatever that is, whoever she is, whatever the garbage you hear on, on the internet is with these people. It's the idea of teaching kids, get what you can right this minute. Have you ever seen so many suicides in, in, the, in the famous world? In the, I mean, every other day I read of some YouTuber that's between 15 and 30 that, that overdosed on fentanyl. Every other day. It's not very hard to find it. I've never even heard of that drug until Michael Jackson. I'm not kidding you. I never heard of it. It's everywhere. It's all over the place, and it is likely about 99.5% addictive. That's my guess. It might be higher. But this idea of the concept of heaven is largely gone, and Satan has helped get rid of it. And so they are trying to make their experience, people in general, as close to heaven as possible. At least give me a little something out of this life. At least, if, I, if life stinks and then you die, at least i got to get something out of it. And Jesus would say, I am calling you. I have called you. Answer the phone. Answer the text. Answer the call. Come towards me. Don't worry about what you're going to do for a job. Don't worry about what you're going to be for me one day. Don't worry about how much ministry you think your friends think you should have already done by now. Don't worry about that. Just come. And if you are here this morning or you're listening online and you, you're just unsure, Jesus says, come to me if you're, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you've got a huge burden on that you're wearing, if, you've, if you're yoked up with debt. It could be financial too. It could be so many things. Just come to me. All Jesus asks is that you repent, that you, re, you, you turn from what you've been doing, and you walk toward him. Now, we got this idea somewhere where you have to raise your hand somewhere and you have to pray this exact prayer. That's a great model. It's a great way to acknowledge that it happened. But you just have to come to him. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we thank you for uh, Paul's words here that you inspired him to write. Um, God, we need to hear this. We need to hear things like this a lot because we can be so distracted and we, we do get distracted. God, I get, I'm one of the most distracted people. It's hard not to be sometimes. God, help us to get through the noise, the gray, the stuff that doesn't matter. 
help us in our quest to be closer to you, God, to, to carve out time, to not only take in your word, but Lord, to just, to just listen and just to be quiet before you. For those, God, who are struggling or far away or think they've gone too far, um, would you just uh, touch their hearts? God, bring them back to you. That they, that they can come back at any, at any point by just saying, I want to come back, Jesus. God, help us uh, to be lights. God, to be that abundant life that people out there can see. Wherever we end up, God, wherever you take us, in Jesus' name, amen.